Hey, we're in week two of our series, Unfiltered Faith. And if you weren't here last week, I'm going to get you caught up real fast. That a lot of times when we talk about people in the Bible, we, we glamorize them and we, we make them better than what they were. And the, the bad part about that is then we think that we could never measure up to them. I could never be like, I, I could never do it. Like they were, they were, these people were saints. But when you actually read the Bible, it is the exact opposite. They were really, really messed up people, um, just like the people at second service. They're really, really messed up, you know, just terrible, you know, they, they were like them. And, and so they were like, uh, just messed up people that God just happened to use. And so we started uh, this series, wanted to talk about, we want to talk about faith, but we wanted to do it in such a way that, that you would feel like, hey, they're talking to me. Because that is exactly what, 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 I, what I think and how I work. And so we've taken the filters off these stories. And last week we talked about just faith and doubt. That you know sometimes we have doubts. And that um, you work through your doubts. You work through that. A lot of times you, you think, well, if I have doubts, there's something wrong with me. No, you read the Bible, people had doubts. They did. They, they thought things were crazy. And so today we're, we're talking about uh, sometimes I don't know enough. You ever felt like you didn't know enough? You ever felt stupid? And then you open your mouth and proved it. You ever done that? Okay, yes. Yeah, I do it every week. That's what they call preaching. So, uh, you know, and, and the truth is, I'm not, I've told you, I'm not super smart. I'm not super smart. Uh, like, I, I, I'm somewhere like, we know. We don't, you don't have to tell us anything. We, we got it the first time we were here. Um, but a lot of times we feel like when it comes to faith, I just don't know enough. I don't know enough. And it holds us back. And you're going to see a story today of a woman who is just, it's unfiltered. It's a woman named Rahab. She's a prostitute. And I'll say it again. She's a prostitute. And she's listed as a woman of great faith. Now, sometimes we don't know enough. And sometimes we, we look stupid. I'll tell you one of the stupidest things I've done is that when I was, uh, it's funny, I was talking to the pools about going to Johnson City. I used to be a youth minister in Johnson City, Tennessee. Beautiful town, if you've ever been there, beautiful. And I was a youth minister there, and when, I, when they hired me, they said, there's one condition. You have to get your license to drive the bus. They had a, they had a pretty nice bus. I had to get your license to drive the bus. And so I studied real hard. I told you I'm not very smart. I studied real hard. And uh, I, I'll never forget that they made me pull on the side of the road, and, and, and I had to put the cones in a certain spot to, 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 in case something happened. I remember putting those cones and I was so proud. I, I passed that test. I was so proud, y'all. I was in my 20s. I thought, man, I'm an ace this thing. Well, anyway, I was pulling in the church parking lot and they had an overhang. And I thought, well, gosh, if they got an overhang, the thing surely it fits. They wouldn't have an overhang where the bus didn't fit. I drove that thing through there like I owned it. <laughs> Knocked the top off of it. In one moment, I go from feeling great about, well, then I've got to go tell this guy just hired me. I don't, I know him. I know the guy, but I don't know him real well. And I know I got to go tell him, hey. And so I walk in, I never forget, I walk in, I say, I got good news and bad news. <laughs> don't you love them people? Cam said that to me this week. Cam said, I got good news and bad news. I said, give me the good news first. I was like, man, I've had a crazy week. I, he's like, well, it doesn't, the good news doesn't work until I give you the bad news. Well, I went to his office and I said, hey, I got good news and bad news. I said, here's the good news. I got my bus license. The bad news is I ran into the overhang and knocked the top off the bus. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, if that's the worst thing you'll do around here, you'll be all right. You know, I thought, man, what, what a statement. I felt affirmed that day, but I felt like an idiot too. 
Well, a lot of times that's the way faith is that um, we just think I don't know enough. So we don't do anything. We keep waiting for this moment where we're going to know enough. It's kind of like getting married. You, until you, you, if you wait till you feel like you got that figured out, then you'll never get married. It's kind of like having kids. I'm not going to have a kid until we know how to do it. Guess what? You're never going to know how to do it. Amen. You're going to go to bed every night going, have we messed this kid up for the rest of their life? <laughs> and so we're going to look at this story. I'm going to launch into three statements. Each one builds. The first is this, is that uh, this whole theme is that faith changes our stories. And at the end of this message, I'm going to ask you about your stories. Because here, I'll just be honest, my fear is this, that you don't have any. That when we talk about faith, that you don't have any faith stories. That you've been waiting for that moment where everything's going to come together and, 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 and you know, the, the sky's going to split open and, and then, you, then you're going to step out in faith. That's my fear, that you don't have any faith stories. But faith changes our stories. And you're going to see that in here. And each point builds on the other. So the first is this. Faith means choosing a side. Here's what was going on. The people of Israel had been wandering for 40 years. God had given them this promise that I'm going to take you to the promised land. I'm going to give you this land. But they had to wait, they had to wait, had to wait. Well, finally the time came that they were going to get to take the promised land. Yeah, and, and they had these stories that uh, uh, the, the Red Sea parted. They were conquering kingdoms. And, and so Joshua... Moses has died. Joshua sends out spies to go because they're about to take land. They're about to take, take over and, and fulfill God's promise. And so he sends these spies out to Jericho. Now, Jericho is this walled city. Uh, the walls uh, go up 40, 46 feet high. Some were made of stone. They, they were kind of layered. You'd have to look it up uh, and see how it is. 46 feet high. And they were so big that people actually lived uh, on the wall. They had houses built on the wall. That's how big. It was just an, uh, an overwhelming, uh, just an intimidating uh, thing that you were going to take this, this city down, the city of Jericho. But he sends spies out to, to, to spy out the area. And this is where we pick up the story. And it's the story of Rahab. It says, then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. The two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out our land, spy out, spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Now we see in this moment that Rahab chooses a side. That faith means that you and I choose a side. 
There used to be a song when I was in youth ministry that we would do. It was, it was called, Whose Who's Side Are You Leaning On? I don't know if you know this song. It was a great song for the kids who were hyperactive and, and, or hyperactive leader. But with the song, you would sing, you'd sing the song, and then you'd lean. You'd say, Whose Side Am I Leaning On? Whose Side Am I Leaning On? And then I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean. And then all the hyperactive kids are running at each other. And then you'd have kids crying. It was great. And it was a fun song but it was not the best theology. God doesn't want us to lean on his side. God wants us to choose a side. That God wants us to choose a side. He doesn't want us to simply lean. He wants us to choose. As a matter of fact, the scriptures talk about that our, uh, you know, our lives are full of choices and, and we are to choose. In Joshua 24, 15, uh, Joshua says, choose this day who you will serve. Elijah, when he, when he, when he dealt with the prophets of Baal and the, and the, the people of Israel, he said, choose this day. Is God going to be the God or is Baal going to be your God? Jesus himself told us, he says, you can't serve God, both God and money. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself said, he said, if you love your life, you'll lose it. But if you, you give up your life, you'll save it. He said, you've got to make a choice that faith always involves us choosing a side. Now, here's the funny thing about Rahab. She chose. In a moment's notice, she chose. Now, I need to stop here and tell you something. She lied, too. If you read the scriptures, she lied. I'm not justifying this, and there's a lot of commentary on this. She was not a believer when this happened, that Jesus wasn't around. She She lied. It was the middle of a war. I will say this. That if you're in the middle of a war and the enemy asks you something that's going to cause all your, your family to be killed, then you can lie. Is that good? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe you should just let it happen. I don't know. It's hard for me to justify this. She did lie, but she chose a side. So let me ask you something. Have you chosen a side? Are you still just leaning? Like, I'm leaning. Leaning's not, leaning's not choosing a side. Leaning is straddling the fence. Leaning is, I'm playing both sides. Leaning has the appearance of, I've made a decision when I've really not. But make no mistake that faith means that you choose a side. Well, that leads to the next point, is that how do you do that? How do you, how do you choose a side? The second thing is that faith means believing what you've heard. Believing what you heard. Here's what I love about the Rahab story. That's what I love about it. Rahab did not know a lot. To our knowledge, she did not have a copy of any of the Old Testament Scripture. She did not know the creation account. She did not know the promises of Abraham. She did not know the history of God's faithfulness. She did not know the religious system of the Jews. She knew a couple of stories. She knew a couple of stories. Faith means that you believe what you heard. Now, I'm going to read through this, and I'm going to talk about some things, because here's what, here's what happens. We think we have to know more. And I'm telling you, I'm not against knowing more. The Scriptures tell us to study and show yourself approved. But you don't have to know more. You already know enough right now to step out in faith. You do. You know enough. You know enough. You've heard enough messages. You've heard enough stories that God's been working in your life enough to take a step of faith. He has. 
That's, that's what's been going on. There's, there's, there's not this thing, I'm waiting for this moment. So look at the scripture right here. She knew a couple of stories. It says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk to them. I know the Lord has given you this land. Now, how did she know that? How did she know that? She told him, we are all afraid of you. That's crazy. They hadn't even done anything. She just heard a couple of stories. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing these things. Now here's, listen to this. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. She heard a couple of stories and she'd come to this. There's a God. And it's not me. And it's worth me choosing a side. Too many times we think I need to know more. We think I need to know more. And listen, education is great, but you already know enough to choose. You already know enough to choose. You already know enough to trust. You already know enough to follow. You already know enough to surrender. You already know enough to be changed. You already know enough for God to change your story. You already know enough. But for some reason, we feel like we don't know enough. Now, a couple years ago, yeah, I, I went to this, uh, I started to get my, um, I'm going to talk, I'm, I'm all over the place here. Let me back up. A couple years ago, I went back to school to become a chaplain. I'm a chaplain. I have a chaplain's endorsement. He had to go back to school, believe it or not. And um, I was put in this class where I was probably the dumbest one in there. Why are you laughing, Jason? <laughs> you, yeah, you laugh like you know that to be true. They all had, they had most of the people in the room had more degrees than me. They were smarter than me. There's people there from Emory and everything. They put me in this class. And there was people there that didn't think like me. And I sat in there and I thought, man, these people are smart. But I want to share something with you. I was the only one in there who was doing full-time ministry. And I met with my instructor and I said, hey, I got some things that I believe in. And I don't, if I've got to back off these things, then, then I, 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 he said, no, you don't have to back off. You just be you. I never forget. He said, you be you. And he and I believe totally opposite about some things. And I walked out of that day and I said, I'm going to be mean. We're going to, we're going to see where the chips fall. And in that moment, I didn't need to know more. I knew what I believed. I knew what I believed about the Bible. I knew what I believed about Jesus. I knew what I believed about his work in my life and his work in the lives of people. I knew what I believed about all those things. I didn't need to know more. Now, I learned a lot in that process, but my whole point is this. If you're waiting to always learn more, you're never going to do anything. Now, there's no, nothing wrong with learning more. There's nothing. There's not anything wrong with learning more. But the enemy has this thing, because here's what happens. How many times does someone ask you to do something, and your first thought was like, I don't, know if I'm, I don't know if I'm smart enough for that. You ever thought that? 
Could you lead a group? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm good enough to do that. Could you, could you pass out a bulletin? I, I don't know if I how to do that. Which is ridiculous. Could you rock babies? I'm not really good in that area. I'm not sure. Could you witness to your friend? I don't know. I could really get turned around. They might make me look stupid. Faith is just simply believing what you've heard. What you've heard about Jesus. What you've heard from his word. What you've heard from other believers. What you've heard from the Holy Spirit. Which leads me to the this question of do you have any stories? Do you have any faith stories? Look at the scripture here. She says, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family. She's already got this figured out. Like she's chosen a side. She knows the Lord is the supreme God. And she, she starts to say, hey, look, help me, save me. She says, now swear to me that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father, my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, and all their families. And then they said, we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed, if you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to use when the Lord gives us this land. She'd already figured this out. Just in a couple of stories, she'd already figured out. Which leads me to the last one. I want to spend some time here. That faith means choosing a side. Faith means believing what you've heard. But the last one is faith means acting on what you believe. And I'm, get, I'm going somewhere, and this is where it is. You can't just believe and do nothing. You can't. You can't just believe and do nothing. That faith inside of us, it, it, it acts, it moves. As a matter of fact, uh, the, 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 James said that faith without works is dead. Now, we don't move in order to be saved. We move because we are saved. We don't do things in order to be saved. Jesus saved us on the, what he did on the cross. But our faith causes us to move. It causes us to act. It causes us to respond. It causes us to go places. And God is always calling us to act, to move, to work. Because that's what faith does. And that's what faith is. So I want to read this scripture and I'm going to make some points, some practical, practical applications here. Here we go. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when you have returned, you can go your own way. But before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken. Only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. All of your family members, your father, your mother, your brother, your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and, and are killed, it will not be our fault. 
But if anyone lays a hand on the people inside this house, we we accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. And she said, I accept your terms. And sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging in the window. Now here's what happened. Her story changed. That she acted on her faith. Now, I don't know that God's going to come to you and tell you that, hey, you, you know, the season of sin spies or we're going to be in war and everything like that. I don't know that's going to happen. I don't know. I, I, honestly, I, I hope it doesn't. But I want to walk through some practical steps for you. How does this play out in your life? That if faith means choosing a side, if faith means it, 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 that, that I believe in what I've heard, if faith means acting on what I believe, then what's your next step? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? And I'm going to give you four words. Attend, serve, grow, and go. Now, this, these aren't the only four words. These aren't. Four words. I'm going to give you four words. Attend, serve, grow, and go. When we think of someone who's following Jesus, this is what we think about. We think of someone who attends. Now, here's the thing about attending. That's an act of faith. Your being here today is an act of faith. That you would not be here today if there wasn't something inside, there's some act of faith that, that you were here. And so we say attend, attend things, be part of stuff, gather, gather, be like we have men's luncheons, gather, we have women's things, gather, be together, attend, show up. They say that 95% of life is showing up. And I have seen this over and over again to be true. You heard me talk about this, I think, two weeks ago. The times of my life where God has done the most work in my life is when I did something that I did not want to do. That when I didn't want to do it, that I didn't want to go, I didn't feel like it, my flesh was screaming, I'd rather just be at the house. And I'd be bellyaching to Leslie about it. And I'd show up and man, God would do something. He'd say, shut up, Gary. Watch me work. You know what? I'd walk away from there. Man, I was so glad I was there. So glad I was there. So glad I didn't miss it. Second thing, serve. That our faith has got to move us to serve. It's got to move us to serve. Now, I'm going to talk about some things, and it's going to get, like I said, it's just going to be what it is. There are things that need to be done around here. There are things that need to be done in the body of Christ at East Ridge South Campus. We hear me talk about it from time to time. I try not to press every week, hey, we need people, we need people, we need people. But let me just share something. We need people. We need people to serve. We need people to usher. We need people to greet. We need people in the tech booth. Let me tell you something about the guys on the stage and the guys in the tech booth. You know what time they get here? They get here at 6 o'clock. They get here at 6 o'clock so that they can serve and lead worship for you guys. And they don't do it for you. They do it for the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you serve on the creative arts team, would you stand up? In any capacity, would you give these guys a hand? Like, this is a big deal, y'all. And I'm just going to be totally transparent that they don't let me sing, and there's a reason. And so just because you want to do that, we will find a place for you is what I'm saying. It may not be with the mic. We need help in E-Town, our elementary age. You've heard me talk about it. We need help in Adventureland. Look, I'm not here to twist anybody's arm. All I'm saying is this. Listen. Faith causes you to serve. It's what you do. And I'm not tooting my own horn or anything like that, but 
Friday when I found out that Pastor Scott had a bunch of trees down in his yard, I went over to his house. That's what, that's what we do. I got my chainsaws and went over to his house, and as soon as I got there, I saw he had 22 trees down. I thought, this is way beyond me. But I was willing. That's what faith does. It moves. It acts. Faith is acting on what you believe. And listen, Jesus said this. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom to many. That that's where God is leading us. Grow. We got growth groups out there. Listen, and you guys, I, I don't know how to say this anymore. You're not good enough by yourself. You're not smart enough for the enemy to be by yourself, to do, to follow Jesus by yourself. Because if you would, if you could, he'd have told you when you got saved, go be by yourself. Go be by yourself the rest of your life. That's how this thing works. That's not what he says. The scripture says they were together, that we worship together, that they studied together, that we would be together. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. Well, you can't do that unless you're together. That this whole thing of getting, we've got a whole bunch of groups. Why don't you, this act of faith, go get in a group this semester. It's one semester from now to May. Go get in a group. Check it out. See if your faith isn't better. If you're not a better Christ follower from being with other believers. But man, our faith has got to move us to act. I want to be with other believers. That this thing is never meant to be a solo sport. I know I'm, I'm preaching here and you're going, oh boy, he's, both barrels are coming out. They are. Which leads me to the last one. Is go. Man, this has, been, this has been on my heart heavy. I want us to be a church that goes more than ever. I'm going to give you two areas that we're going to focus on this year. We're going to focus on the poor and the schools. We've got two schools. We've got one within a rock's throw. We've got another a mile. We're trying to get into schools. We want to serve the schools. We're going, to, we're going to do our best to show these people and these kids the love of Christ. That's what we feel like our cause. We want to help the poor. You're going to hear, you're going to hear stories. You're going to hear ministries we're going to bring forward. That, man, they need resources. They need people to serve. There's a growing homeless problem in our area. We can't just walk away and act like nothing's going on. And let me just share something with you. If you think homelessness is all people that don't want to work, it's not. Most of your homelessness is mental health issues. It's people that, man, they're stuck. They need somebody. Listen, this is what we do as Christ followers. You're going to hear about us going to other places, to other parts of the world. I'm actually going to Mexico in February to build a house. Me and 17 people, excuse me, 16 people from both campuses are going to build a house in Mexico. You're going to hear stories that, man, we want to go more than ever. Because you know why? That's what Jesus said. That faith demands that you and I act, we move, that we go. We can't just be us four no more. We're going to be here and we're just going to be us. That's not what the church has ever been about. Which is a lot to lay on you in one day. But I want to tell you why. Why do we want to do this? Because faith changes stories. See, Rahab was a prostitute. That in our day, probably nobody would have gave her a shot. But by the power of God, everybody's got a shot. You hear me say this, that Jesus doesn't care who you are, what you've done. He cares less about your past. You know what his word is to you? You come on. 
And we read this story of Rahab, and man, it's just such a beautiful story that she's not just a prostitute. Then Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. That man, she stepped out in faith and she pleased God. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews eleven thirty one, she's listed as she's listed with Moses. She's listed with all these great people of faith. That she, the prostitute, is listed there. Her story has changed. Her family is saved. Not only that, Rahab is the great, 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 great grandmother of guess who? Jesus Christ. I love this story. But her story's changed so much that she goes from being a prostitute to being a relative of Jesus Christ. And I want to wrap this up for you here. I don't even know where that time was. Jesus can change your story. Whatever's going on in your life, wherever, whoever you are, no matter what you're doing, He can change your story. He can change your story. But you've got to step out in faith. Wherever you're at today, maybe you've accepted Christ. You've got to keep stepping out in faith. If you've never accepted Christ, then you've got to step out in faith. You've got, you got to believe. You've got to just take this moment. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a picture in that story, and this I'm going to close, that Rahab had to hang a scarlet thread from her window. And that was a sign that she would be saved. A scarlet thread. And that same sign is ours 2,000 years ago. A man hung on the cross. And it was scarlet from his blood. And it poured out. And it was a sign to everybody. I can change your story. Believe in me. Choose a side. Believe what you heard. Act on what you believe. And let's change the world. I'm praying for you. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the band up to, to close us out. Father, we come to you. Lord, I know... I know when messages are heavy and I know when they're not. I know when they're serious, Lord. And I pray today is a day that we take a step of faith. I pray that we quit holding back, waiting until well, the, the stars line up or when we know more or, or whatever, Lord, but we just simply come to the place that we're going to trust you. And wherever you lead us, we're going to go. And wherever you're calling us, that's where we'll be. And we're going to see you work in our lives, and we're going to see stories change, our stories going to change, but we're going to see stories of other people change. And it'll be the greatest ride of our life. So, Lord, I pray that you work in us and that you work through us. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Would you stand and sing with us today?